It was a dark and eerie night, a night of nights, a night where the darkness of the night comes alive in the night, the nightiest of nights in the night. Have you ever said a word so much in a row that it starts to sound weird? Night, night, night. Tonight we bring you Night of the Tad on this night on Attack of the Killer Night cast. Night. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Good night, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this is episode 220. We are calling it Night of the Tad. You see, Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of of friends, we get together with a topic, and we discuss films that fit within that topic. We talk freely and so on, so there's probably going to be spoilers. but. What the heck is Night of the Tad? Well, these are movies with night in the title that our very own Tad has not seen until now. This list may shock you. You know what it what is shocking to me? That some of you out there in podcast land still haven't become an official attacker yet. God, an attacker are those members of the world um, that <laughs> are part of the attack of the killer Pos- killer podcast family and gets so much more than just these normal episodes. Being an attacker can get you all kinds of extra content, such as bonus episodes of the show, weekly videos, special series, such as killer critiques, video updates, and insane Mike's one minute top 10 lists. Attackers can also get their very own certificate of authenticity and membership card. Plus so much more. So much. There's too much to, to even like mention now. It's so much. I just don't feel like mentioning it anymore. <laughs> uh, you too can become an attacker today by going to join the Find the tier that best suits you and get even more attack of the killer podcast in your lives. That website again is jointheattackers.com. And now it is time, boys and girls, to introduce you to the podcast crew. Wait, that's not Tad. Jason, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not Tad at all. It's me, Jason. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to our little show. That also isn't Tad. Andy! <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, we may have been mistaken. I may have been mistaken for Tad once or twice. but <laughs> Lucky. Yeah. Oh, wait. There he is. It's Tad! I feel sort of offended that you called it an eerie night. Is that an ear joke? Are you making fun of my big ears? Oh, oh no. Oh, but it is weird. I felt it that way. <laughs> he, was so, he was so proud of those intros before the show. I know. I, I, <laughs> I think those are the best intros I've ever written. <laughs> uh, so speaking of, of 
best intros ever written. Shudder is a proud sponsor of Attack of the Killer podcast, and I don't know how to do segues. Shudder, the online streaming service for all things horror, with so many genre films from classics to grindhouse sleaze, original content, and special series. Where some streaming channels continue to go downhill as they continue to cancel their shows. I'm not going to mention Netflix name or anything, but I am <laughs> getting real. I am really bitter about Glow. I'm just saying it's Amen. canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, motherfucker. Yep, they canceled the fourth season. That's uh, upsetting. It uh-huh. was ri- it was written and ready to go. Am I right? Yeah, was- they already oh. started filming. Yeah, we're oh. filming. Oh, uh, somebody will pick it up. Somebody, yeah, let's hope so. I'll sign whatever petition. Yep. But you don't have to worry about that with Shudder. Shudder continues to grow with more and more content. Now with over 1 million, subs- 1 million subscribers. So what the hell are you waiting for? Subscribe to Shudder today. You won't regret it. And we can ease it in for you slowly. Like a virgin's first time she ever had a flu shot. Yeah. You can get a free month of Shudder on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. If you enter our promo code AOTKP, you will get a full month of Shudder for free. That's right, free. That promo code again is AOTKP. Now, the crew here at Attack of the Killer Podcast watch more than just the films required for the show. Of course, unless it's football season. Hey, Uh, Here's Tad to find out what we watched with what we watched what we watched yeah your um your words could not be more true because i'm just going <laughs> to go right first and get my list out of the way which is maybe two movies me too <laughs> um oh, go figure i watched it and one of them one of them was our group watch as a podcast. Me too. <laughs> we, watched, <laughs> we watched Dave Made a Maze, which I had seen before and mentioned on here. It's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, and that was a blast to watch as a group. But it was also weird because we were all sort of just quietly watching. Like, it's so good that we didn't have any crude comments yeah. to say. Um, no dick jokes. It was It was just weird. Yeah, like it's we very unlike our normal watch parties. Right. Uh, it was good that everyone enjoyed it, but it was like, man, we need to watch not good movies. Uh, <laughs> that seems to go over better. It really does. Um, and the other one I watched is also a cinematic turd, but I loved it. Um, Hoobie Halloween with Adam Sandler. That's on my list, too. I it just watched be. it as well. As soon as I saw Sandler had a new one, I knew Mike had one. And it's Halloween themed. What more could you ask for? Exactly. And and I I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um it's not a good movie, but it's it's dumb fun. I mean, it's it's modern Adam Sandler, a Halloween theme, has his mm-hmm. regular cast of weirdos in it. Uh it's it's him doing dumb voices. There's pumpkins, candy, um what more can he ask for? I enjoyed it. So thanks this Netflix is- for something good. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, just the atmosphere of it alone is just awesome. I mean, at one point I turned to Brandy and I'm like, I just, I wish Halloween was really like this. Just the streets littered with people and costumes and all the houses are like overly expensively decorated and it's just beautiful. It's glorious. But yeah, um, just, I'm just convinced that these happy Madison films uh, especially the ones written by Sandler are like, no, like no one wants to tell him 
maybe you should do another draft because there's just, you know, these are not well-written movies. It's fun. It's funny. It's really funny. And I enjoyed myself and it was a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, there was, so I, I, I can completely, um, be apologetic for how bad these movies are. And I can, I can tolerate a, a universe where a thermos is just like Felix, the cat's magic bag of tricks or, uh, the sonic screwdriver and Dr. Who. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah good one yeah exactly or on how like the main villain in the movie gives this like uplifting monologue at the end of the movie while being being held up at gunpoint by the two police officers in salem massachusetts um but the part that almost ruined it for me was was julie bowen's part in this movie she plays really the weird interest. Yeah, she plays the love interest and she they're built they built her up through this movie that in high school she was like the prettiest girl in high school. She was voted that in the yearbook. They show yearbook photos of her being, you know, basically the most popular and prettiest girl in the school or whatever. But she's always had this secret love crush for the nerd guy in town that everybody like throws eggs at and makes fun of. That was the and, one thing I didn't like was that everybody was so mean to Hoobie. Like it's, I mean, Jesus Christ, like what a shitty town. If they all just pick on the, the weird guy with a bad lisp, like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was, that was a bit overboard, but it's just, it feels like her, her fascination with Hoobie was way over the top for, like who her character was, but even forgetting that I could still, I can still accept a storyline where, you know, the pretty girl from high school has a crush on the big nerd from high school. But I feel like there's, there's no arc for that love story in this movie. She just instantly from the first moment we see her in this movie has a woman heart on for, for Hoobie. Um, yeah. Usually Sandler puts in girls that are way out of his league in the movie and they have to slowly fall for him. And this one, he's just like, fuck it. She's already got a crush on me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of, it kind of takes away from everything else. I mean, just, I don't know. It almost seems like that whole character in general should have just been left out of the movie because the scene that bugged me the most is when he's at the radio station and, you know, in the scene with the DJ, I won't give anything away was, and his wife was hilarious. But then they start talking about how, well, first of all, he just, Hubie just ran away from, from the, the police and all the people of the town because they think he's the one that's doing these things that are happening in this movie. And he ends up at the, he ends up running away to the radio station and the DJ tells him that, uh, this, this person like must have a crush on him because she calls the radio station just as much as he does. and all of a sudden this mystery person that they're trying to figure out who it is, um, which we all know who it is, but um, is now the main suspect so much so that the next scene is the, um, the, the chief of police is at the radio station helping Hubie figure out who this person is. And then they do a sting operation. And I'm like, I'm sitting there. I had to rewind it. Cause I thought I missed something. I'm like, where, where at what point 
in this conversation, did this person, this mystery person, all of a sudden become a suspect? Why? Because they call the radio station and tribute and do tribute songs to Hubie. They didn't make any flipping sense. That scene was so worthless and pointless. And all that honestly almost ruined the whole movie for me. I mean, I can overlook a lot of stuff, a lot of bad things that happen in these Billy Madison movies, but that was a, that was a real stretch for me. I bet when you hit play on Attack of the Pillar Killer podcast today, you did not expect a half hour rant from uh, no. from Insane Mike on an Adam Sandler movie. Adam but movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to listen. I was like, shoot, I love it. Yeah, I, but it it is, but it is still it's a lot of fun, and it's got everybody I think who's ever been in an Adam Sandler movie shows up at one point. And Tim Meadows, he's like my favorite underused actor ever. Come on, yep, needs to be in more. Oh, yeah. He's so funny. Steve Buscemi, man, I was excited for Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they're all they're Kevin all James is a cop with a mullet. Yep, Kevin James. I did enjoy Kevin James's look in that movie. How how his beard color did not match the hair color. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, he he looked like he was wearing a Halloween costume the whole movie, but he was actually <laughs> just that was supposed to be what he looked like as a cop, which is so yep. dumb. But yeah, you guys keep saying the word Hoobie like it's a real person's name. Yeah, that's I know, man. What's his Again, real, this is like a full he has a full name that's longer right oh okay. yeah but i don't remember they call him hubie hubie in the movie and I, again i think it's lazy writing because he gets the nickname puby in the movie they keep calling him puby yeah he no, probably like, worked backwards he's like exactly what, what, what rhymes with pube so oh <laughs> <laughs> down with the impressions today i love it i hope adam sandler's introducing insane's picks later <laughs> <laughs> Wait and see. <laughs> Wait and see. <laughs> okay um i guess since I, I went first i will go with jason because he has uh one movie what did you yeah watch? you stole my dave made a maze gosh that movie was so good it was my first time and it was great getting to watch it with everyone i am uh uh I, I just couldn't believe how smart and fun it was and it was very ambitious and i'm a giant giant nick thune comedy fan so just the thought that he got to be the lead in a movie and then like halfway through, well, half quarter of the way through. And even before that, we're like, all of us were like, is this really a horror movie? But there was some shit in there that was scary and kind of gory. Wink. I, I got my boss in, uh, interested in it, so he's going to watch it. Awesome. And uh, so two amazing movies. I saw the second one on shutter, which y'all should have. Um, I watched this awesome movie called Scare Me from 2020. I planned on watching it this weekend, but just, you know, football. Yep. Yeah, I get it. Um, during I don't. During a power outage, two strangers tell each other scary stories. And the more Fred and Fanny commit to their tales, the more the stories come to life in the dark of a Catskills cabin. The horrors of reality manifest when Fred confronts it's just two people telling stories like you're going to love it because it's one location, two, three people cast tops and it's literally them acting out stories and it's, Oh, and you're like, that's it. Oh, oh. when I read the description, I was assuming it was like an anthology mm, where, no, let me tell you a story and then, and then it no. cuts to and it, really, no, it's them two acting out and playing oh, off wow. each other and, 
and taking part in each other's stories as they go back and forth telling stories. So it, sure, it has an anthology feel because it goes from story to story, kind of. never cuts away from them. No. Wow, and, that's cool. And it just really shows the range of those two as actors. It's got it's great writing because, well, they are, they are writers too, so it is smart, you know, and I just, I, I, my, my biggest fear is overselling it. You know, I don't ever want to do that, but, but it's, gosh, dang, it was really dang good. <laughs> I really liked it. Scare me on shutter. Check it out. That's what I watched. Okay. Um, Andy, what have you watched? <clears throat> okay. I have a few things. Um, I will start with the TV shows first and I'll be brief and I won't even really talk about them because I watched uh, the final episode of this of season two of the boys and I've been catching up on Lovecraft country. I won't really talk about those shows because you, whoever's listening to, to the sound of my voice right now, you should be watching those shows anyway, because they're <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, I also watched a couple of cutesy little horror films with the wife. One is called Little Monsters on uh, Hulu. That's and, a fun one. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Have you guys seen it? All of you guys seen it? The yeah. only time I've liked Josh Gad, I think. Oh, ouch. whoa. Yeah, yeah I but he's, I he it, plays like this. Like uh, He's the uh, the kitty show uh, Host. guy in yeah, yeah, and he's such a turd in this movie. He's a slime ball, scuzzy douchebag, and that's why I love it. Oh God, but yeah, he's such he's such a he's such an asshole, but he's such a funny asshole in this movie. Um, yeah, I I definitely recommend that. It's uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it's just about this uh, kind of like this loser rock musician who asked who you know is w- looking out for his nephew, you know, because, well, he needs free room and board and he's kind of got a hot, got the hots for like his, uh, second grade teacher. And he eventually, you know, as you, as usual, you know, the loser always rises to the occasion, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I also watched vampires versus the Bronx on Netflix and it's really kind of got a, uh, it's got a little bit of a modernized monster squad kind of vibe to it, but it's, it's about these kids. They're noticing them that a lot of their uh, favorite hangouts, you know, in the Bronx is getting taken over and it's being, uh, you know, uh, cause there's so many, uh, how do I say this? Uh, it's, it's very cultural down there. And a lot of the stores that are cultural are getting taken over by like, you know, these very, very pale white people, and um there's like literally they're you know they're re- they're rebranding these stores and you know they're they're bringing in you know instead of like the bodegas they're bringing in like you know cappuccino places and like you know organic all this stuff and they they're really trying to save the neighborhood and uh but it's basically they're they're also you know killing you know the people that own the stores and Turning them into vampires, but you know it, it's it's fun. It's it's PG thirteen, and yeah, it's it's worth a watch. It's kind it's kind of cute, but I would I would pick Little Monsters over Vampires versus the Bronx, but they're both fun. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time on the show, but I I did watch uh, the documentary Hail to the Deadites. Whoa, what's that? 
It is basically uh, a documentary about the fans of the Evil Dead series. Ooh, cool. And it's actually really, really surprisingly heartwarming in, in spots. Uh, they interview everybody they uh, from the series. Aside, I mean, they even get Bill Mosley, who was like had like the smallest bit part in Army of Darkness. They interview him a little bit. Um, they interview other horror personalities. I think the only people that they didn't get interviewed was um, Dana DiLorenzo and the guy who played Pablo. I can't think of the actor's name. Uh, they they didn't get him and they didn't get Sam, but they did get they they did get Ted, and they did get um, uh, oh uh, Bruce, yeah, of course they got Bruce. Um, they did uh the the guy who played uh, was it Dan Hicks? Yeah, Hicks. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. They, they they got him before he passed away. They got Bobby Joe. They got they got all the girls and um. It showed like all these people and, you know, of course, you know, since we're uh, big collectors, I mean, they showed all these people's collections and I'm just my, my, my jaw is dropping. You know, this guy like, you know, he has like armor from the horses in Army of Darkness. I mean, people have got Kendarian right. daggers. They've got like film props and stones and um all this, that, and this other stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I was able to watch it because I, uh, went to a virtual, well, I didn't go anywhere. I went to my computer, but, uh, I rented a virtual <laughs> film fest and, and I watched it there. And that was literally the first one I clicked on. I couldn't believe, you know, that I didn't tell you about this last episode, but hail to the deadites. If you get a chance to watch it, it's, it's very, very good. And, um, you know, people naming their kids Ash and stuff like that, and uh, wow. these they, these guys do spot on impersonations, and yeah, dude, just yeah, if you're if you're a fan of the Evil Dead, and uh, you you should be, and if you're not, you're well, you suck. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you should definitely, I definitely recommend uh, Hail to the Deadites. That makes me feel good because I haven't seen Wolfman's Got Nards yet, and you haven't seen Hail to the Dead Eyes yet. So, <laughs> which is finally getting released? Yeah, yeah. I know. I got it on pre-order. I've I've already took the step. So, excellent. I guess that leaves you, Mike. What have you watched? Uh, well, Hoobie Halloween. Um, did I watch more than everyone else? Holy crap! I I finally watched uh, Babysitter Killer Queen. That was freaking awesome. I kind of wish I watched the first babysitter first because of the refresher. Wise. Just refresher wise, just because of the twist that happens in um, killer queen, which I haven't watched yet. I won't say I don't worry. I won't say, but I just, I kind of want to watch the first one to see if like, I don't know if any of that was, you know, predictable from the first movie, knowing, you know, knowing what happens. But anyway, uh, I also watched, uh, this is, um, a new one on Netflix. We summoned the darkness. Anybody else seen this one? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's also a hard one to describe without giving anything away. Um, punk rock chicks. Yeah. The, well, metal Devil. chicks, yeah. uh, metal chicks go to a, a heavy metal concert and there's like this killer cult in the area. And, 
Honestly, that's as far as I can probably go. Alexandra Diodario. Okay. Is that have um, Johnny Knoxville in it? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. That's the one I was thinking of. Okay. Have you seen it? No, but I've seen a lot of um, uh, it's popped up quite a bit on several people's like on Letterboxd and different people's profiles. I see people watching it. And strangely enough, I love Johnny Knoxville, love Jackass. But it's like when I saw him, it sort of makes me like not want to jump on the movie just because I'm like, is is this serious or like, what is it like? Does he play a serious role or? Yeah, he plays it straight, even though there is uh, there is dark comedy in the movie. But okay. he he plays it he plays it pretty straight. But I think he's great in it because I've never seen him do a role like this ever. I mean, he doesn't fall out of a window and he doesn't he doesn't drink horse cum. So um, it's uh, definitely a different. Well, then I'm not watching. I'm, yeah, I'm totally lost <laughs> interest <out>. myself. <laughs> I remember there being a big buzz for this movie, but then a lot of mixed reviews. So I just haven't. Got to it, but I want to. I I really liked it. Horror, I right? feel like the ending the ending ending was a little flat, but other than that, just because everything built up so great throughout the entire movie, and I like it, of course, because again, not a lot of locations, small cast. So yeah, cool. And speaking of Johnny Knoxville, I also just watched Action Park, um, which that is full form Johnny Knoxville. Right Absolutely, there. You, you I got, haven't seen that, but I watched Class Action Park. What's that? That's the HBO documentary. Oh, about oh, nice okay. about the real park in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this movie, obviously, takes a lot of liberties. It's very, very, <laughs> very loosely based, <laughs> but uh, it, it's basically it's basically jackass with a plot. That's all it is. And but it's so, pretty good, and it's pretty good. It's pretty funny because this guy also has what's what's the one guy's name? Pontius. Yeah, he's in it. Chris Pontius. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, just it's got everything you expect from Johnny Knoxville. Old age makeup, um, getting thrown against barn doors. It's it's yeah. all there. <laughs> and the and then uh, just a quick mention. Um, Brandy and I started uh, going through the Blair Witch movies again. So um, we watched the first Blair Witch, which I haven't watched in forever. It still holds up. It's still great. And then I made her watch Book of Shadows because I love Book of Shadows. I love part See, two. So do I. Um, I actually really like the second Blair Witch. It's become like a I'm Halloween good. three thing where people are loving it now. Oh, are they really? It's That's about good. freaking time. I liked it the first time I saw it. Oh, me too. I saw it in the theater and loved it. But uh, when I got it on um, Blu-ray and then listened to the director's commentary, I fell in love with it even more. And it's I'm not the best person to watch it with because I kept pausing the movie throughout it and be like, "Okay, Brandy, so here in this in this <laughs> moment, you got to watch this, you know, because there's so much little things going on in the background or even in the foreground, but you're just not paying attention to." You know, little things, because there's like hidden messages. There's literally hidden messages throughout this entire movie, kind of subliminal-like. Um, and that's what makes the movie so much fun for me. Um, but then listening to the commentary track, and like there's things of the movie that never really sat the well with me. I thought that was like not maybe not the right choice as far as like editing or direction or whatever. And to listen to the director talk on how he basically got um, strong-armed by the... Uh, by the studio to make, make these certain changes and changes that were made after the fact in post on him that completely kind of, kind of sort of almost ruined things as far as like, uh, the whole, 
theme of the movie, the whole mystery of the movie and the outcome of the movie. I mean, you know, if you've never seen it before, sorry, but you know, I've never seen it before. Oh, well, and I'll only, yeah, never mind. I won't say anything. Forget it. But yeah, well, you need to see it. It's awesome. I, I really love it. Um, we, we didn't get around to watching the, the third one, which I really love that too. There's nothing that has been done in the Blair Witch mythos so far that I haven't loved. Huh? So <clears throat> what is the third one? It's just called Blair Witch. Oh, is that the newer the one? Reason. Yeah, the newer one that was done by um oh my god, what Simon what? Barrett and uh Yeah, I yeah. liked it. I liked it. Oh, Adam Win- Win- Wingard. Wingard. Wingard, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love that I, one too. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, same here. Really good. That's when they go up into the attic of the house and all that jazz and mm-hmm. the it's up. Oh. Yeah. I I've only seen that once, but I know I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, gives you a little bit more and I I I really like the uh it, where it more time travel right yeah there's a like cool a lot way. of displacement yeah. of time yeah. um which which is cool because it feels like it takes all the mysteries from the first movie explains it a little bit more but still right. doesn't no. tell you yeah. everything uh-uh. so and that's what i that's what i really like about it there's but a video yeah. game too yeah i know i um it's it was streaming forever but it's finally coming out um on on disc and i may just pick it up just to have it i've heard mixed reviews based on off game, of the new one or off the I original just, i think it's just its just own thing yeah cool do you guys remember the um you know so todd mcfarlane did those movie maniacs was like oh yeah he had first- two different uh, blair witches yeah and which are which were bullshit figures yeah just all it was was him interpretations of the because you never see the blair witch so Right. It was just him trying to cash in on the popularity of the license. Yeah. Yeah. So never Classic did get Todd. the Blair Witch one. I got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <sighs> got to anyway, pay yeah. for those baseballs somehow. <laughs> but that's all that I've watched. So I forgot. I um, watched the first episode of Eli Ross uh, History of Horror season two. And it's mm. awesome. And the podcast cool. is back. So they're uncut on the podcast entire interviews. Uh, today's episode, as of recording this, was Rob Zombie, which is his his insight. I've heard I've heard him talk about um, making of his movies a million times, but he goes really deep into the making of corpses and Lords of Salem and stuff. It's a great listen. And uh, the podcast is interesting because it's still called the history of horror with Eli Roth, uh, uncut. And so far out of the four episodes, Eli Roth is about 20 seconds of one episode. Some, nice. someone else hosts it. I don't really know why it's still credited to Eli Roth, but, um, probably makes it a little more enjoyable, but I was going to say, I'd rather listen to anybody else besides Eli Roth. So, Oh man, Aww. When is everyone going to come back around on Eli Roth? They come back around on the second Blair Witch movie. When are they going to come back around on Eli <laughs> Roth? I, I, I'm okay with them. Like I, I actually like him better in this role than I do as uh, maybe as a filmmaker. I think he's a better personality at times. I also think he's a great director and a bad writer, just like Rob Zombie himself. So, well, and that's the thing. Yeah. Not every director can be a writer, and not every writer could be a director and you can be both and sometimes still not do a good job because you don't have somebody else telling you, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, if you're the writer and the director and editor, you know, you've, that's a hundred percent what I feel like 
Rob Zombie's problem is like in his yeah. later movies here is that he's just doing what he wants to. And it's like, maybe that's not the best thing, but you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's his choice. So there's no one to bounce ideas off of. And I don't care who you are. Alfred, even Alfred Hitchcock, you got to have somebody to be, you know, bouncing these ideas off of. Cause what maybe genius in your brain. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He had his wife, you know, his wife was a lot more of the brains than what people really perceived. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting listening to him talk about corpses. I don't want to go too too deep into it because you just listen to it. But he talks about Sherry and how like the first movie uh, corpses, like he was just sort of thrown into this with this huge amount of money and him and Sherry had no idea what they were doing. Either of them, she had never acted. He had never actually directed outside of a music video. And it was like completely overwhelmed, but they had each other, which was, you know, sweet to hear like, Uh, cool, you know, and I don't know, I have a soft spot for Rob and I think he's a good dude and gets um, shit on a little uh, too much. And it's his passion comes through in this and it's really fantastic listening to like some of his insights talking about Lords of Salem. I absolutely loved. Uh, He actually even almost tried to sell me on three from hell. There's nothing that can, but he was at least trying and explain the situation (laughs) and what happened. And uh, it was, I don't know. It's just a really good listen. And they had Ari Aster on the last episode Mm -hmm. Uh, they had before that it was Megan Fox in the first episode um is i'm um, drawing a blank from snl bill Hader, and he bill Hader's a fucking horror nerd holy shit i had no idea he's like going deep into italian stuff and uh Ooh. yeah d- dude is like could sit in this podcast and and just he could replace me easily like he'd be up there with mike as far as knowledge yeah <laughs> it was impressive i was like damn i'm not worthy man That's i wanted awesome. to hang out with him before but now right? i really want to hang out with him <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome. He talks about, you know, the, just some really good deep cuts in Ita- like the Italian horror history in different times. Like, oh, I remember seeing this in the theaters and talking about just watching these movies at a, at a slumber party with my friend and he threw up and it's like, it's funny <laughs> and insightful. It's awesome. <laughs> and of course, oh, I've, I've, I've been watching. Yeah. I I I, uh, I like Rob Zombie, dude. I don't I don't care. The more I like, I I think I've said this before. The more I watch uh, Lords of Salem, the more times I view it, the more it actually grows on me. I, well, I, I think- lo- I've loved Lords of Salem since the first time. I, I think that movie's great. But to me, it, it 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 plays like a love letter to Italian films. So of course, oh I yeah, mean. he talked about that too. And like I said, I don't want to ramble too much about it, but it's so cool, like hearing him talk about. Um, some of the shots and his cinematographers in that movie, like they'd be moving the camera really fast or Sherry would be like going through her dialogue fast. And he's like, slow everything down, slow, slow shots. And they would be shooting. He's like, no slower. And they're like, we can't do it. Like that's gonna. Wh- what are you thinking? Like, this is going to be a really long shot. He's like, yes. Like this is not my, not, this is not every other movie I've done. I want every shot intentionally slow and tense and I want the dialogue to be slow and thought out. I want you to enunciate the words and think what you're saying and take time and breaks between your words. Like, let it rest, let it sit, let there be like silence. And I, I was like, you know, everything was intentional in that movie. It's intentionally slowed down and I love it. Excellent. Okay. So, um, have you ever been walking down the street with your phone and you're on Twitter 
and then you run into a light pole. It's Pole Position with Jason. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. Hey, all right. Well, thank you for the intro, Mike. Um, Pole Position this week. So this this awesome one-of-a-kind episode that we're doing right now, Night of the Tad, it's just uh, it's three specific movies that Tad hasn't seen, but I don't know. I felt like we all kind of wanted to play a little bit too, and it's our chance to answer what our personal favorite Night of the fill-in-the-blank movie is. So, Mike, you're up first. What's your favorite? Okay, well, it will come as a complete shock to everybody <laughs> that my favorite night movie is the original 1968 black and white George Romero classic, Night of the Living Dead. Very nice. No one is shocked at all. <laughs> um, I'll go next. Yeah, I know. <laughs> see, that's see, Andy can act too. You don't know that about him. <laughs> <laughs> not you only didn't say writer, how well, but right, yeah. Nope, did not say that. <laughs> Moving on. So I'll go next. And my, I'm so glad I got to pick this one um, before anyone else. Uh, my favorite, because it is my favorite probably of all the Night of Those, is Night of the Creeps. Love this movie so much. Give me some slug action and thrill me. Okay, then we'll up next. We'll That's have. What she said. Hey. Uh, next, Tad. Tad, what do you? What's your favorite? I, in tradition of this movie of seeing my first night of movies, I'm going with Night of the Hunter because I saw it first through this podcast. Oh, I'm so oh, glad you sweet. picked that one because that movie rules. That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And Andrew, what about you? I am going for the fully colorized remake version, the 1990 classic of. Uh, Tom Savini's directorial debut of Night of the Living Dead, which would be Tony Todd's very first uh, starring role. Not his first movie, mind you, but his very first, uh, excuse me, his lead role. Yeah, he, he told me that when he was uh, signing my my poster, you know. No, just just kind of going, ah, the dead. My very first <laughs> role. Be my victim. <laughs> Right, right. Well, that's good. That's I'm excited to see how the people will choose between those two. Anyway, what? Mm, yeah, Mike seems nervous over there because he knows no. maybe, no, maybe Andy's is superior. Who knows? What? Uh, it could have. I don't know. The people will tell, and they will tell by going to our Twitter page at aotkp, and we'll have the poll up there. Um, right after this episode comes out and you go there and vote, tell your friends. So that's twitter.com slash a O T K P that's pole position. I would like to play a game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sore throat. I'd like to play a game. It's insane's games. That's right. It's Insane's Games with me, Insane Mike. And this one does not have any clever name like Weird. some of the other games. This is just straight up trivia, guys. Oh, shit. Straight up trivia. And I'm going to say right now, good luck to you all. Oh, man. 
But everybody will just go through. Everybody will get a chance to guess the answer. Those of you at home, scream really loud, and we will try to hear you. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's get started. So from Hellraiser, what is Pinhead's human name? Andy. Oh, if we all wrote it down, then it would be fair. It's, it's. <laughs> I, I got a feeling it's it's. Um, gosh dang it! It's it's like William or Daniel something. I I don't know, but I know it's in it's. I know it's in that vicinity. I I mean, I guess I don't know. It's William or Daniel something. Okay, Tad. Oh, um. I have no idea. I'm going to go with um, Mike. Jason? I'm going with William Daniels. <laughs> Where'd you get that name? <laughs> well, those are the two names Andy thought it might be. Oh, William okay. or Daniel. So I said <laughs> William Daniels. Okay. And I'm probably the closest, right? <laughs> yes. No. Oh. The correct answer is Elliot Spencer. How the fuck are we supposed to know that? Yeah. Uh, if you watch the movies, hello. Yeah, you did I th- it. Just I think he's on my fantasy football team. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question. I'm telling you, I, people know they, that there, there may be a straight zeros oh, across the board at the oh, end of this. Game. I have a feeling. So next question, Locke Martin, who happened to be a doorman at the time at the Chinese theater was hired to play the robot Gort in what? 1951 film. Ted. I don't even know what you just said. So, um, well, only Brian Clark knows the answer to this. <laughs> yeah. He's screaming. <laughs> he's he, pissed at all of he's us. He's driving off the road right oh. now. We just caused an accident. Um, the 1951 film. I have no, I pass. I don't even have a guess. <laughs> I don't want to say something. Cause then, uh, I'll get, um, you know, harassed by Brian for the next three weeks. So. Okay. Andy, um invaders from mars all right jason oh, fuck. <laughs> i'm out i'm out i'm not even gonna try man the correct answer is the day the earth stood still oh no, that's right big, never big heard final, of it big whatever final. just kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right next question how many days did it take to shoot the blair witch project jason 13. Andy? 14. Ted? One day, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Price is Right rules? He didn't say. If it was Price is Right rules, he would probably... Nine. Nine. The correct answer is eight. Oh. He went over. We all went over. That's pretty good, eight. Mm -hmm. Couldn't finish in a week. Come on. Yeah, right? Uh, next one. How old was Steve McQueen when he played a teenager in the blob? Andy. 26. I don't know. Dad. 25. Jason. One year, Bob. That's his right. Rules. 20, do not oh, count. He was a 21. baby. He was an infant. He was a toddler. <laughs> oh, Oh man, I kind of almost want to give a point for the closest, but I'm not going to because Andy was the closest. The correct answer was 27. Oh, I almost guessed. Shit. That. 
Uh, you don't get much better, but we only have like uh, four left. Oh, so give me go. some Halloween ones. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're going to get there. All right. So I watched this next movie on Halloween. Oh, does that count? Uh, and David Cronenberg's The Fly, The Telepods. Um, what were the designs based off of the of the telepods? Um, uh, should probably pick somebody to go first. Dad, eggs. Jason, eggs. <laughs> Andy, uh, I'm gonna say beehives. Ooh, oh, good one. But the correct answer is the motorcycle engine of David Cronenberg's motorcycle. Oh, okay. Oh, almost. I've seen almost the pod, one. one of the pods in person. Like I've touched it. Ooh. Oh, for real? Like the real screen used pod? Yeah, they had it at Universal Studios last year for Halloween Horror Nights and one of their like, you get half a point gift shops that, that you, they had they had it on display. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, let's try this one. What's the name of the electronics store that Sean worked at in Shaun of the Dead? Oh, go. Pick me. Pick me. All right, Tad. 4E Electronics. Jason? 4E Electronics. <laughs> Andy? That's 4E Electronics, dude. Everybody got a point on that one. Oh, you guys all knew that, though, right? I know Andy did. Oh, Jason, yeah. did you really know that one? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have yeah, the I'm name. so good at trivia. I have the name tag. <laughs> I'm just Ken, throwing Based it. off of Ken Faree from... Uh, Dawn of the yep. Dead. From Dawn of the All Dead. Yeah. Things. Okay. So this one's probably the easiest question on the list. Oh, well, fuck. no, maybe the last <laughs> one might be the easiest. Um, what is the name name of what is the name of the puppet from the Saw franchise? Jason. Oh fuck! I actually know this one. Uh, doesn't sound like it. Might no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's the the recall. It actually, doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> Sounds like oh uh, shit! It's not fuck or shit. So no, I pass. I give up. I hate <laughs> trivia. <laughs> You're the one that wanted me to do this. Segment. I know. What a Before great Andy idea. says it, I do know it too. So I know Andy knows it. Andy, uh, it's Billy, isn't it? Damn it, Tad. Yeah, it's Billy. Billy the puppet. He oh, rides a little tricycle. <laughs> correct answer is Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not son of a whore. It's Billy. <laughs> Uh, Last question. Because I went first, I didn't get a point. <laughs> uh-huh. Last question. What is the name of the college in Night of the Creeps? Andy. Is it... Uh, oh, shit. I know this is the one in Animal House. I, I, I just want to say Faber, but I know that's fucking wrong. Uh, I'm saying Faber. Tad? Oh, I have no idea. Um, fuck. Uh, we're going to go with Romero College. <laughs> Great guess. Jason? I love trivia. <laughs> it's so fun. I got nothing. I say Ted, it was a great guess because everything in Night of the Creeps is named after somebody in That's true. some director, actor, and horror. The correct answer is Corman University. Oh, oh I was on the right oh, path. Oh, damn. Yep, absolutely. Now, if you would have asked me what's 
If you would have asked uh, like me what is scrawled on like the bathroom wall in Night of the Creeps, I'd be able to answer that. Well, so would we all, but that's not the question yeah. he asked. So you yeah, and if you were to ask me questions that I knew, then I would know them. <laughs> well, <it laughs> so I'll do that only, next time. Well, it'd probably be like the only thing that I knew about Night of the Creeps. I haven't seen it very many times. Uh, but that's apparently, like, neither have any of us. Okay. <laughs> And that concludes in Saints Games. Uh, the winners tied are Andy, Not Jason. are Andy and Tad with a score of two apiece. But hey, we get to learn, and that's the fun part. Yeah, and to learn to grow on. Uh, yeah, we just look like assholes that just don't know horror at all. <laughs> but we're just on a podcast. <laughs> uh, now, all of us horror fans have films that we have missed in our viewing that may shock others. Um, just so happens that three of these films that Tad hasn't seen contain the word night in them. So let's get into tonight's movies. Jason, what's first? Specifically, night of the three words. <laughs> tonight's first movie. So good. All these are so good. Uh, tonight's first movie from 1988, Night of the Demons. A full moon. A spooky, deserted mansion. Halloween night. All right, dudes. And it does. Let's party! Ten kids. All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Blessed be the sinners. For the Day of Atonement is at hand. Stop looking at me! Teenage girls hold a Halloween seance in an old funeral parlor to scare their friends. That's it. There's a lot of that going yep. on. Yep. Directed by Kevin Tenney. Love that guy. Woo! Yeah, staple of the 80s. Linnea Quigley, you know, we love her. Big fans. Mm-hmm. She's great in it. Mike uh, petitioned the other day that it is more her movie, maybe, than... Well, I just, it's and, just and interesting that Angela became the, the iconic yeah. monster of this franchise when 
I feel like when Linnea Quigley's possessed, she does a lot more in the movie and has more iconic scenes than Demon Angela does. I think it's just based on the wardrobe is what yeah. ended up pushing her over the edge there. But Well, because, again, she's the first one possessed. She's the she's the one that possess that possesses Angela, and she's got the most iconic, I guess, demon scene of the whole movie where she yeah. shoves a lipstick in her boob. You don't see that every day. No, and you also Angela see her first shit. in the movie before <laughs> Angela too. Well, that's true. You yeah. see, well, well her, her yeah. backside. <laughs> And even when you get into part two and still to this day, I've still never seen three, which is a crime. Um, but part two has the lipstick in the movie. Oh, even though it's, even though it's still about Angela, the lipstick, it plays a role, plays a part in the second film. Have Have you guys remake the re yeah, the remake. Nope. I, I have, I can never make it all the way through it in one setting because, yeah, I, I can't. I want to. I don't know. I just don't like it. So you guys, but, you know, like you sort of. I don't even remember how the idea of this podcast came about. Maybe <laughs> uh, you had heard I had not seen this, and then I was like, well, I've never seen Night of the Comet either. And you're like, whoa, what? We should do a podcast with both of yep. those. Um, and I will heavily disappoint you and say i have seen the remake of night of the demons before the original but now Weird. i've seen them both right it will i did not intentionally watch the remake it was on <laughs> like stars at 2 a.m sure yeah so it wasn't like i put it on and tried to watch it it was on in like october probably well before i even knew you guys and it was like right when it came out it was still new but um man I'm glad I finally got this off the list. And, you know, I think this might be one of those that I watch every October. What a blast. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this episode where I'm excited to hear what you think of all these three movies. Well, now that he says it's making it into his October rotation. That is awesome because it is for me too. It definitely has from the opening credits. It has like a, such a Halloween feel to it, which by the way, the opening credits is one of the coolest opening credit sequences in true film history, that whole, you know, Halloween animation with the synth music and everything. Yeah. Cool shit. Yeah. Yeah. This one, um, I've known about it forever and there's really no excuse for me to not have watched it at this point. I mean, I've seen the action figures, I've seen the shirts, I've heard everybody talk about it. I knew the characters names, um, but I really never knew what it was about. And, had never, I don't think I've even seen a trailer or anything. I just seen, you know, the, the, I think I've probably seen the lipstick and the nipple. Um, I've seen the poster and cover art a million times. And like I said, I saw when, uh, shout or screen factory put out the blu-ray and put the action, NECA, NECA put out the action figures. Uh, I, you know, well, these are cool designs and, but I've, I don't think I've, like I said, I've never actually seen a scene or a scene, a trailer or anything. So this was, still pretty uh like fresh like completely going into it blind and like i said it was a blast it's pure 80s fun uh yeah i mean lots of tna and blood and guts and uh stereotypical characters uh teens yeah yeah fat pig actual pig guy um <laughs> Stooge. Stooge. yeah i mean the punk <clears throat> punk rocker that you know is a sort of a piece of shit and somehow still gets a girl and uh 
yeah, that was, I mean, like I said, it just falls into that 80s thing where there's like everybody plays a stereotype. Everyone has their character, but that's a blast. Like I miss that about movies, you know, but it's still, I mean, for its time, still put some of those, um, uh, tropes on its, on a twist there because, you know, what's, what's like a common thing that people say about 80s horror movies and you have, you have a black person in it. They're going to be the first to die. Well, in this film, spoilers, the black guy survives. He's one of the two survivors of the whole movie. And and he's not even like a focus in the first half of the movie, at least yeah. until things start getting weird. You know, it, it's really all about um, uh, the one girl and her boyfriend. And then the boyfriend turns to be to be like an asshole character. Super douche. <clears throat> so yep. then you think maybe it's the one douchey guy that used to date her and he starts to start looking like a good guy, but then no, he gets it. So I, I, I really like in this movie how they just keep, keep you on your toes on like who your final people are going to be. I got to be honest. Uh, I stooge. I didn't like stooge <gasps> this time. Oh, he's no. well in the, in the times of today, he, uh, I just didn't like the way he talked to women. Oh, well, yeah, he yeah. he sucks. But I mean, he's a, and, he's a pig, uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that uh, was kind of tough. Didn't like that. But. I mean, I love that actor. I can never remember his name, but he um, he had worked with Kevin Tenney another time in the movie Witch Trap, which also has Linnea Quigley in it. And then both him and Linnea Quigley were in Sorority Babes and the Slabo Bolorama together. How heavens. Um, Yes, thank you. Yeah, and apparently, if you look at his IMDb, he's he's got some cool credits on there too. He's done done some cool TV work, and yeah, he's still going. Like it looks like, yeah, he's still going. It looks like there for a while. I don't know if he was a cast member or just maybe like one of those like extra actors that they would put in skits. But he was on quite a few episodes of Mad TV. Apparently, yeah, he's his, holy crap, man! Like TV wise, his list is really impressive. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dragnet, Monk, ER, Dirt, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Parks and Rec, um, Eagle Heart, How I Met Your Mother, Justified, uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, Fear the Walking yeah. Dead, Lethal Weapon, and Westworld. Yep. And that was just oh, in like the last world. Yeah, that's just in the last mm-hmm. couple of years that he's done all that. So pretty impressive. Well, and nowadays he's got like a full on like white beard and stuff. So I think he's got like a typecasted look. To him, you know, heavier set oh. guy, whatnot. He, so. he played um, a cop on Alf. That's pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, any Alf connection we can get. I had a little bit of a pain in the ass little brother in this movie, too. I mean, like a, well, almost an overbearing no- pain in the ass. But also at the same time, kind of creepy in his own right. Like, I don't know what it was about little brothers and horror movies in the eighties. Cause right. Funhouse is the same way where oh, yeah. what is with the little brother's obsession with his older sister's boobs. Yeah. yeah that's and hiding in their closet while they change. And yeah, it was a mouthy little shit. <laughs> yeah. I love the, um, how it's almost as if like, uh, I mean, it's not an anthology film by any stretch, but it almost kind of starts off that way where you got the, the move, the storyline that starts at the beginning and 
comes back at the end with the old man and the apples with the razor blades. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that would never happen <laughs> like that. And it gives yeah. it that feel, but mythology feel. It's yeah. it's cool because you know again it yeah, it messes with it. Halloween stuff and it's a cool yeah cool bookend and uh, and you know and even though it's so unrealistic the actual yeah night the blades ripping through his neck effect is awesome looking. It also it sort of has that feel because it feels like each um, character or even pairs of characters have their own story, like in different rooms of this house of the, the place, uh, the funeral parlor, like, you know, so this is going on over here while this is going on over here. Cause they sort of split up when the power goes out. So to me, yeah. 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 I, uh, for just me, good, this... good fun horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, for me, I mean, it's this movie's getting to the point. It's like the more I watch it and the more I get to uh, enjoy it. But at the same time, it's it's almost like the same ilk of, of not, uh, excuse me, Return of the Living Dead for me. And coincidentally, they both have Linnea Quigley, but that's not the point. Yeah, but um, they it's just um, it's it, like Return of the Living Dead. It is for me. This movie's like becoming almost like a comfort food. You know, mm-hmm. it's you can you can just put it in, and it's just you know, yeah, I it makes you happy for some odd reason. You know, even though the even though the men in this are just total, most of them are just real piles of dog shit. Um, but yeah, it's just like like Tad said, it's just really really good fun eighties horror, cut cut and dry. It's just a, it's just a good time. There's like a handful of these types of movies for me. Like you said, comfort food. I like that because I find myself, um, especially this year, like I turn on right around when October hits, you can turn on like AMC, sci-fi channel, anything. We, you know, we, we never even watch cable, but when October comes, I flip it on and like I turn it on the TV in our bedroom and the sound of a familiar horror movie, like just is strangely enough puts me to sleep. Like, I know, <laughs> I know Halloween four and five, like, like fucking note for note, yeah. literally like yeah. those two and they always run back to back and I can turn that on and I could close my eyes and probably recite the movie in my sleep as I go to sleep. It's like white noise to me now, but it's so comforting and I could see this one down the line becoming one of those for me. Like it's just something to me, like it's, it's familiar, but also new and fun. And I mean, I, like you said, the, the, Male characters are sort of shitheads, but that's sort of, I mean, not an excuse, but the 80s were full of that. That was just how it was. 80s trope. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the effects in this, I, I love the effects work in this, and it's it's uh, done by Steve, Steve Johnson. Johnson. Yep. And Steve Johnson eventually married Linnea Quigley for a time, and the... <laughs> Their romance started on the first day they met, which was the day he had to do a life cast of her boobs for the <laughs> for the lipstick scene. So their first meeting is her topless and him putting uh, uh him putting alginate all over her boobs. How was it? Was it like that for you guys when you met for the first time? <laughs> hey. I never got to put alginate on Lena Quigley's boobs. You only got not them. yet. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I believe the, uh, the proposal <laughs> happened on the set of Nightmare 4 when she's like trying to push her right. chest through the uh, Freddy's yep. chest of souls. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else would I want to say? Oh, one of my favorite bits of trivia um, with this movie is uh, the, the motivation behind... I, I keep forgetting the main girl character's name her name in it. Um, I want to say Judy, but I don't know if that's right. Uh, the motivation behind the costume design of putting her in Alice in Wonderland was like Kevin Tenney. I think it was on the commentary track or something is talking about how um, there's things in this movie, things that happen with the demons in this movie and the spirits in this movie that doesn't make any sense. Like, how somebody can hide in a room behind a locked door and the demons can't get into it. But then there's other scenes where the demon spirits can just like pull the pins out of the hinges of door frames and just open doors and unlock doors and all this. Um, and that's, and so his rationality was just because like, it's a, it's a, um, it's a weird skewed world and the demons are just, you know, messing with the, messing with the people throughout the movie and so it's it's much like alice in wonderland in that respect of just this weird world where things don't make sense and that is why she wears the alice costume uh in the movie so i thought i always thought that was pretty cool and i lumped this movie in like i can for me i mean yes there are two sequels um to this and a remake but i consider this like um what I would, what I've personally have always called Kevin Tenney's um, uh, Demon Trilogy, which started with Witchboard, and then was this movie, and then ends with Witch Trap. Uh, <clears throat> to me, I always feel like those three films. I mean, they're all got some similar themes, similar things going on. I always felt like they had a connection, like they're on the same universe, like a spiritual sequel. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, man, which, which trap, if you guys haven't seen that as such an underrated, awesome movie, I love it. I've got I it. I like which board a lot, which board is great too. Which board, um, which one, which board <laughs> <laughs> also had it also had a sequel, but I never saw the sequel. And then when which trap came out, they had to put it on the box. That said that literally they had to put a warning on the front of the box. that said, this is not a sequel to which board. <laughs> But yeah, Night of the Demons rules. I don't care what anybody says. So, Tad, what's next? The next movie is from 1972. It is Night of the Lepus. What happened that night science made its greatest mistake? What unknown terror was born that night. What is the terrifying mutant that strikes from behind the shroud of night? That night. That night. Of the Lepus. A night of 
total terror, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. What caused the unnatural death, destruction, and panic? That night of the Lepus, Janet Lee, Stuart Whitman, Rory Calhoun, and Paul Fix, Night of the Levis. Kill one, and thousands take their place. What devil creatures growing weight and size every day are hidden behind the eyes of horror? What can stop them? Night of the Levis. From MGM. Okay, Night of the Lepus, Arizona rancher Cole Hillman, dealing with a massive rabbit overpopulation on his land, calls on a local college president, Elgin Clark, to help him. In order to humanely resolve the matter, Elgin brings in researchers Roy and Jerry Bennett, who inject the rabbits with chemicals. However, they fail to anticipate the consequences of their actions. A breed of giant mutant rabbits emerges and starts killing every human in sight. This one, oh. I think Mike should apologize immediately about giving you the one with the, um, all the animal cruelty. Uh, yeah, That was pretty <laughs> brutal. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, it's not like a huge turd, like some of the stuff yeah. we've watched. I mean, it's not awful, but uh, hard to watch at times. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and. I don't uh, compared to the other two on this podcast. Uh, definitely not up there as far as my favorites. I don't think I'll ever rewatch this one. <laughs> if that's a fair assessment, um, I'm assuming everyone else has seen this at some point. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I on, yeah. I have it on DVD. I've seen it quite a few times. I feel like I've seen parts of it, like, or maybe I've just watched uh, gross videos of rabbits getting shot on YouTube. But. Um, oh. mm. Yeah, but those there's clips of the giant rabbits. You'll find in it a lot of things, all your horror best of things, or you know, or worst of. Maybe I, <laughs> I loved it when they're when they're panning into the rabbits into that like that hardware store, and you know, of course, you know it's it's the the perceptions all different, and one of them almost looked like he was smiling back at you, and it's just <laughs> yeah, it's it's hilarious. It just it instantly takes me back to like some of these images that I saw on like a Facebook post. And it was like of these completely white rabbits eating a bowl of raspberries. And oh, it, yeah, just it looks, looks like terrifying. Utterly, yeah, it's horrifying. It's just <laughs> like, but, I, but you find yourself laughing at it, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, that, so the video of rabbits eating raspberries is far more scary and convincing than, than what, how they tried to convey the rabbits in this movie. Correct. Yes. Actually, yes. Um, yeah, I just—it's you can't help but laugh at this movie. I mean, you just—you just—you just have to watch it and just see what transpires. It's just—it's so, even though it looks so fake, but it's just like so surreal. It's just like this actually got made, and this was actually convincing <laughs> to people. And I gotta say, for you know what, what a difference a decade makes for Janet <laughs> Lee. Holy oh, yeah. shit. Um, 
I read yeah. on IMDb that she did this because it was shot really close to her home and they gave her a pretty decent paycheck and she didn't have to take time she away from her home. family. Like she could go home at the end of shooting. Wow. Uh, it, also, and it, it also said on IMDb that uh, they wanted to put um, her kids, Jamie Lee and Jamie Lee's sister into the movie and Janet refused because she <coughs> didn't want her children to be in a horror movie. Oops. Oops. <laughs> nice. Um, I also I just want to like theorize. I think that like when this when the movie's all said and done and the rabbits are getting shot and electrocuted and everything, I want to imagine in like some weird sort of universe that Rory Calhoun's character, like he 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 takes all the rabbit meat and he he moves away and he uses he makes like rabbit jerky at motel hell <laughs> I, I want him to like you know is you know just assume this different identity and you know go find his sister and just leave the ranch and then just go make rabbit jerky at motel hell love it love it i am i'm a, I'm a fan of this movie uh yes the uh you know, the shooting of the rabbits and stuff is, is very painful to watch, but man. And I remember I kind of was rewatching it again, um, this afternoon while making dinner, uh, just as another refresher. <laughs> um, yes, we had rabbits too. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, and I all of a sudden it just hit me. It's like, uh, wait a minute. I actually remember seeing this, um, on cable when I was a kid, like long before I ever was into horror movies and saw, remember seeing certain scenes of the giant rabbits and stuff. It it did. It terrified me back then. (laughs) And that's all I saw was a few of those shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's totally laughable now. And, you know, I think Andy, you were saying something about how, um, that you can't believe people were convinced back then that they weren't, they weren't at all. Like the advertising (laughs) campaign for this movie, they knew how they knew how shitty of a film this was going to be that if you go back and watch the original trailer, there's no shots of any rabbits in the trailer. There's no mention of any rabbits in the trailer. And that's why they call it night of the lepus and not like night of the giant rabbits. Cause they were hoping (laughs) and assuming that people would not pick up right away that it's a movie about giant killer rabbits. I, I just imagine that photo. I, I imagine the editor, you know, being that photo of Ben Affleck outside smoking and just like completely exhausted, trying to like make this like movie, like make even some semblance <laughs> of sense. Um, even some of the decisions by like, the guy who's driving like the orange truck, he's like completely out in BFE in the middle of the night. He just goes, okay, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to check my oranges where there's like no stores in sight whatsoever. Um, I want to believe that, uh, that officer Hightower in this actually influenced the Bubba Smith character <laughs> in police Academy as well. I was thinking that too. Uh, earlier, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, it's and, and the thing is, I don't. Here's the weird thing: I'm talking all this shit on this movie. I don't hate it. I don't. <laughs> I love the close-ups of the truck when you know the overhead look, and when like all the rabbits are at it. When you can literally tell it's like this fake little camper sitting on like a block of mm-hmm. wood that's supposed to look like the front of the truck. I mean, it's just like all the, as it's we're we're moving 
into Ed Wood like territory to me. And it's it's oh, it's sure. it's becoming so crappy that it's actually becoming endearing to me, which, you know, uh I'm I'm totally I'm totally okay with. There there's there's shitty shit and then there's there's shitty good Fun shit yeah. for me. Yeah. Exactly. And this this definitely falls into uh shitty good shit. So I mean, you know, in a lot of those scenes with the miniatures and stuff, and you got rabbits jumping around these miniatures, and how they take they take a cue from Japanese kaiju movies, uh, meaning that you know if you slow down the footage of the film, that makes them look bigger. Apparently, yeah, there isn't one shot with rabbits that isn't in slow motion. <laughs> and as, as they said that they like took scenes and and filmed them until they got them yawning, and that's when they put in like that they're roaring. I used to raise rabbits as a kid and none of them make that fucking noise. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of this whole movie though, is when people are getting attacked and you could just tell it's some guy with giant mittens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just off camera punching them in the face. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's so good. I wouldn't go that far, but and the cast, right? Like Janet, man, Janet Lee. Lee. You got yeah. um, DeForest Kelly, Stuart Whitman, another Oscar nominee. Stuart Whitman, Rory, uh, Calhoun. Rory Calhoun. Like, oh my god! And they're acting their asses off. <laughs> That's all they got. Yeah, I'd seen this movie before. I I don't mind it. It's like, yeah, I agree with you guys. It's it's pretty fun. I don't. I mean, I get you. You start just when you just can't take another scene of humans and rabbits not in the same shot. They finally get there, and then it's fun. But I love all the miniature stuff. It's like, oh, they tried. They tried, and it's cool that they're doing it. I I like how there's some scenes when the rabbits are trampling through miniatures and it's supposed to be ominous and scary, but there's no music score whatsoever. Yeah. As if the guy in charge of the music score just kind of threw his hands up and was like, I give up. I can't do this. <laughs> I give up. I think it just work with no music here. I've got nothing. There's no, there's no synth in the world. that's going to make this creepy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I don't want to, I don't want to give Mike any credit, but like, I don't know. Well, just, of course not. Uh, it's, it's done in this. This is a seventies movie. I feel like mm-hmm. I've really been enjoying seventies films. I don't. I mean, if if only for the film stock, you know, like there's just something. I don't know. And it's been a lot of you know. It's too lately with the show. These seventies movies I've been making you watch. It's a lot of like animal attack movies. What too? We did Bug. You know, a few episodes back and. You know, and I think you said it then too. You were enjoying the aesthetic of of the seventies movies. I assume yep. this one's been done on Mystery Science Theater, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I read that somewhere too. That yeah. they did this. They did this movie. I figured that's how Jason would have watched it. If I <laughs> if I could have, I would have. He would have. He would have a hundred percent. Has this ever made it into trailer of Rama or whatever? At Halloween Palooza, you I think, think so. it would? I wow, I have to. If, if we get to do another one, that, that's that's yeah. a, that's a it's a shoe in now, man. Damn. 
Yeah. Even the poster wouldn't have rabbits on the poster. It's just that <laughs> it's just that shot with those really bad drawn cartoon eyes all over that's supposed to be creepy looking. Um and there was but there was another poster I thought I was looking at earlier today that actually <laughs> Jason's flipping through posters right now and there is one of rabbits with blood on their mouths, and it's still funny. This is like a live action watership down on steroids, is what I would call it. Ooh, that one, that one there, down one and over to the left. That's a cool poster where it's this, um, it's got the big title on it. It's got a woman cowering, and it's just got this big ominous shadow with gnarly fangs. Uh, coming at the woman, but all you see is a shadow. You can't even tell because it's from the from the nose to the to the chin, so you can't <laughs> tell that it's a rabbit because you don't see the ears. Like they're purposely hiding the freaking ears. Because Lepus is our rabbits. Yeah, that's what they want to trick you into learning. I just, I just love, I just love that fact that they purposely did not want to put rabbits into the trailer. Because they knew what they had. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Andy, what is the next movie we're going to be talking about? Our next movie comes from 1984, and it is called Night of the Comet. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. <laughs> What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but you will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The garden of civilization is on us. People are celebrating the arrival of a comet on Earth since 65 million years ago. Samantha and Regina Belmont, however, could care less. When they awake the next morning, they find that the that they are possibly the only residents of L.A. that the, the comet has not killed or turned into a zombie. They take refuge in what is basically their second home, the mall. But before they go there, they make their way to a uh, uh, sorry uh, radio station where they meet Hector, who is also a survivor. Um, and he's kind of handsome. Oh, he's yes, they yes. Say. he's devastatingly dreamy. yes, devastatingly handsome. <laughs> um, uh, I love the way the 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 way this movie starts out because it actually takes place in a theater and it takes place during Christmas, yeah. so uh, it's up there with uh, Die Hard for one of, some of my favorite Christmas Christmas movies. We've, uh, sorry, as for Regina and Samantha, respectively, we have Catherine Mary Stewart and we have uh, Kelly Maroney. Catherine Mary Stewart, you may remember from, uh, was that uh, Last Starfighter? And Kelly Maroney. 
Yeah, and Kelly Maroney, she uh, she was also uh, dang it, help me out here, guys. Chopping oh, uh, chopping mall. Thank you, uh, Mary w- Warnoff, uh, who was in uh, a lot of the Corman films like uh, Rock and Roll High School and uh, Death Race Two Thousand, which I'll mention later. Um, also, we have Jeffrey Lewis, R.I.P. Uh, you might remember him from uh, uh, Salem's Lot or uh, Devil's Rejects. Um, love the fact that Regina takes place. Uh, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> that the uh, the film takes place in a theater where uh, Catherine Mary Stewart is is working, and she's playing Tempest, uh, which is an old yes. uh, upright Atari game. They also have asteroids there, and I can't, I couldn't uh, make out the the uh, the other games. But I actually had to pause it. Why are you yelling? (laughs) It's the worst game ever invented. You just got obscenities thrown in your direction, sir. (laughs) That game is my jam. I always loved that game. Before Before Night of the Comet, I always liked that game because I actually felt like it was a game that I could play, that I could actually do. Uh Um, (laughs) And I love it even more because of this movie. But I'll get into that later. I'm gonna let okay. Andy finish. All right, sorry. She's sorry. uh she's uh uh we we actually have like a little bit of foreshadowing when she is actually playing Tempest because a a, a person named DMK um is in the sixth place and she wants like the whole leaderboard. She wants to put Reg down on the, the whole leaderboard. But uh the DMK, DMK comes in your play. history. Yeah, DMK comes in play later, which to me, in my opinion, wasn't much of a payoff, but right. Like I digress. Um, <laughs> also, because yeah, sorry, spoiler alert, but how did he make that license plate? I uh, maybe he already had it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but since I am a poster collector and all these posters were uh, up on the wall, uh, we had Death Race 2000, which Mary Warrenov was in. We had Valley Girl in the background with uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, Deborah Foreman. And Kelly Maroney. Uh, oh, she was in uh, Valley Girl, too? Yep. I did not know that. We've got uh, Red Dust and On the Waterfront, which were uh, older films that were up in the projection booth. We also have Escape from New York, which is awesome. The Who's Tommy. We have a reissue of the 1981 uh, House of Wax. And we had Beastmaster all hanging in the same theater, which makes me, which makes me want to go to this place. I would, that would, that place would, you know, be the one to go to. Where's Andy? He's at that theater. Yeah. He's at the, he's at the night of the comet theater. Uh, or the El Rey actually is what it was. Yeah. The El Rey. Rey, LA. Yeah, um, I would want to go to that theater just because the manager was um, Uncle Harvey from UHF. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, um, these these two girls they kind of come what come from a somewhat broken home, and they got a real bitchy, nasty stepmother. And she actually, which I was really surprised. I mean, she punched uh, Kelly Maroney out, although you know she did slap her back, but um. It so I mean the the comet happens and it just wipes out L.A. Um, but they also have uh, when they were at the radio station, 
uh, Sam starts screwing around on the airwaves and somebody actually calls her back. And this, it appears to be, there's like a think tank in the desert where scientists are supposedly taking in survivors and helping them. But as usual in a horror movie, uh, you can't really trust everybody's motives. Uh, especially scientists. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that the zombies talk in this, uh, you know, come here. Um, and not like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, but you know, he does say, <laughs> uh, get over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and the, I love the fact when, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart finds like her stepmother and her stepmother's, uh, boyfriend. And, you know, she says, here's Doris and here's Chuck. And she pours dust out of his shoe hilarious um it's got it's you know it's very very 80s because it was made then uh you know like you go into you know either the mall or the the radio station lots of neon lots of weird shaped art deco sofas and shit um one of my favorite quote one of my favorite quotes from this film uh mac 10 submachine guns are you know are practically designed for housewives great line Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but the, the, there's a couple of things that I thought, uh, you know, they could have had bigger payoffs with, uh, like when she gets pulled over by the zombie cops and it's a dream. Okay. I'm okay with one dream, but it, it really starts to piss me off when, you know, they, when they dream and then they wake up. And then something happens when they wake up and then they wake up again because it was a dream uh-huh. within a dream. And I was just like, that just, that, that gets so irritating for me. <laughs> I don't care when the fucking movie came out, dude. It's just like, okay, just have one dream and get it done. Quit, you know, quit trying to be cute. Um, <laughs> you only get one. Exactly. Get one. Um, there, I, I do like, uh, the parts in this movie, because you don't really know, at least from my perception, who the bad guy, who the true bad person is in uh, the, the the group of scientists. They kind of get keep you guessing, you know, at least from my perception uh, till the end. Well, towards the end, not completely to the end, but um, the guys from the mall that kind of take them hostage, they look like. Uh, pretty much a new wave band and they talk like tools <laughs> and they, they uh, give, he gives my favorite line of the movie. I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. I love yes, that. Yes. Willie, that Willie. That was that, that, that yeah, that, that was good. Um, you, you mentioned that they look like they're in a new wave band. I gotta, I gotta share this little trivia about myself. That's quite embarrassing. I, I've watched this movie since I was like in junior high. When I was a kid, first time I saw this movie, I thought that the leader of the mall employees or whoever, whatever you want to call them, was Rick Ocasek from the Cars. Rest in peace, Rick Ocasek. Yes. Rest in peace. Um, would, would, now, was this before or after he you know, had the sunglasses on? I think it was because, because Rick he was Ocasek wearing... Wasn't, I mean, yeah. sorry, sorry, Rick, but you were not a handsome man. No, he, he could have fit in with the Ramones. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, uh, I didn't really buy about this movie. I don't buy the sisters willingly being separated. 
you know, during a time like this. Yeah. I mean, that that all they had was e- each other, and then they're just, you know, Reg is just kind of waving by, I'll stay here and wait for heck. I'm like, I don't think how little, that, that... Too, too much, a little too much trust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And plus, you know, all they've had is each other, you know, since they were kids, you know, because their dad's in the military and their mom's gone, you know, and well, they sure as hell don't like their stepmother. So, I mean, they're going to have each other's back. They're not just going to. Yeah, I just I didn't buy that so much. And I I did. I did really like this film, but uh, I felt like they could have given us something you know, they could have given us a little bit more, you know, in terms of like actual horrific elements, because like the, the, the zombie cop stuff, I mean, where it was, it was cool, but it never really actually happened. Um, the only like really cool zombie stuff you really got to see was like maybe a little bit from Willie, uh, the, the, the mall guy and then the initial guy that uh kills Reg's uh projectionist boyfriend who was uh Buck who and likes to fuck from uh Kill Bill. <laughs> um and apparently he did back then too. Um but oh and really stupid cheesy fact. Uh I just want to throw this in because it it goes back to my childhood. The the morning sequence when everybody's dying and you see that bicycle with the the yellow rims and the blue tires and shit. Yeah, I had that bike when I was a kid. It was a hand me down for my brother. (laughs) I actually had that bicycle. I wasn't riding it. It was in a movie. That's awesome. I know, right? (laughs) Not that particular one, but oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Anyway, sorry. I'll I'll shut up now. Uh, very long intro, but uh, I have tackled some stuff I wanted to. But go. Well, Tad, Tad, what'd you think? I love this one too. Yay! Yay! I'm so glad. I'm yeah, so this is one I was not aware of, and I don't think until like Scream Factory put it out on Blu-ray. And I remember thinking the cover art was rad. It had a hot chick with an Uzi on a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> And there was every time. cool looking zombies. And I'm like, I'm in. And I watched it and it lived up to that. I'm like, it, it sort of gave me the uh, same vibe as Chopping Mall in that, you know. Definitely. Like yeah. A group of hot chicks stuck in a mall at times. and But this is a little more end of the world. Um, but really cool. Like for a time now where I'm just so sick of modern zombie movies, it's cool to have <laughs> like an old throwback that um to me it, it sort of refreshed my love on it maybe um you know like it, it's just gonna be hard for me to love a zombie movie and this one i did i really enjoyed it and uh Catherine stewart I, I think she's awesome and hot and she has the big curly 80s hair and like i said uh got a chick dressed as a cheerleader and they're out in the street shooting up a car with a with a machine gun and uh, <laughs> just That's not the like yeah it's checking off a lot of boxes for me uh <laughs> <laughs> really like this one and uh yeah i mean i don't know what else to say that andy didn't already cover but uh this this is definitely another i love i would say my favorite subgenre of horror that a lot of if you know me you might actually know this is probably christmas horror and so i was so stoked when i saw like a you were at the beginning i saw like a christmas tree and some christmas decorations i'm like oh 
well, there we go. Another one to my pile. Like I have, a, you know, my, no, yeah, my yeah, October yeah. movies and I have my uh, December horror movies. And this one goes right in that stack now. So that's so exciting. Go ahead, Mike. I want to. Well, I know you love this movie. Maybe I should go last because you thought Andy said a lot. Oh, I don't. I don't oh, have geez. much more to add. I just, <laughs> I too have watched this for a long time and I've always loved it. And I'm so happy for the Scream Factory release that got out and it got, you know, really widened the audience for this movie. Should I, should I buy it or should I wait for Mike to buy it so they put it out in 4K for us? That's a good, you <laughs> might, you <laughs> might consider that one. Happen. Have they done uh, a steel book on this one? Because that's, that's the evolution of Scream Factory. Blu-ray, steel Gosh, book, I don't remember then, if they have or not. then 4K. <laughs> so you have to buy it three times. The music in this is great. I like the music. Yeah, it's well. If the they make a Kelly Maroney figure with uh with the uh the cheerleading like, outfit, oh okay. Well, the cheerleading outfit, yeah, we got we got, but that just a sister two pack. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> buy that. Heck yeah, we know you're listening. I Get love the that. vibes at right. the beginning. Um, when he's like getting really pissed about his friend not bringing back the movie. Uh, you know, just being the, like Andy said, the theater vibe as someone who um, volunteers and helps run the projector at a at a theater and stuff. It uh, hit me in the right spot. I, I really miss doing it. And so it was sort of like, oh, that's fun. You know, it, yes. And the trifecta of our youth between a movie theater, a radio station and a mall. Yeah, it yeah. really has yeah. everything that a kid wants and to do and hang out at. And I know they're not trying to be nostalgic, but I mean, you're just you're. You're looking around that projection booth and you just you're seeing oh, all yeah. these thirty-five oh. millimeter cases and just I mean it's yeah. Warm and fuzzy feelings, you know. <laughs> all right, one last piece of, it's a dumb piece of trivia, but it's and I don't know that anyone will care, but this movie was a has a little influence on our movie collapse. I don't know if you remember that, but Oh, I totally remember. It was in my list of a thousand things to I, talk and, about. So and, you might and as I'll, well take it. I told Tina I'd dig out the picture, but we all we really were gonna try and do this red sky thing for collapse. Just have this ours would have been more of an unknown thing. I mean, this one clearly comes out and tells you why shit's fucked up, but and we did some screen tests and some different tests with with a red tint to the sky, but it just was going to end up being more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. But, that, that yeah. I'm glad you said that because that completely uh, reminded me, I was going to take a note of this, um, how I absolutely love like the look of that is so cool, but it also we like with the um, wildfires in California, like that's literally what it looked like, uh, it, like yeah. a month or two ago in California. And it's so Crazy. eerie. Like, I don't know if you guys saw those pictures, but yep. it looked exactly like this. Like it, it's and it ain't supposed to. Right. Yeah. And that's very off-putting. Yeah. And that's so eerie. All right, Mike. Okay. So go here fast. we go. All right. Run out of time. What? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I love this movie. I've loved it forever. Um, it is a, it is a Christmas movie for me as well. It gives me the Christmas feels because I first saw it at Christmas time. My sister um, used to, she had like either Showtime or H, I think it was, she had Showtime um, back before, like um, when, when we got cable at my, my house, um, my parents didn't want to get cable. So they got the smallest package possible, of course. So we didn't get like any of the movie channels, but my sister had Showtime. So she would just bring me tapes 
of like three movies on a tape of stuff that she would tape off of Showtime. She thought I would like, and I remember, I still remember this tape and watching it. Um, I don't know if I watched it on Christmas. I feel like I did because every, the whole family was at the house um, when I watched it. But uh, this was when I watched multiple times in that one night. Um, I loved it so much. It made such an impression on me and I've always loved this movie. So, um, but uh, for those out there who haven't seen it, when we say it invokes Christmas, it's, it's, it's um, for me, it's more nostalgia that invokes Christmas because the whole Christmas stuff, it's again, it's LA. So there's no snow or anything like that. And then Christmas isn't necessarily in the forefront of this movie, but there are, you know, scenes with Christmas decorations and stuff. Like when Hector goes to, see if his mom is still alive and her house is still all decorated up uh, for Christmas. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, yeah, I've always loved this movie and this is definitely a comfort food movie that gets put in rotation a lot around here. It's also a brand, one of Brandy's favorites. So, you know, at times when we're trying to find a movie to go to sleep to, and we're spending way too long. We're just like, okay, I had to comment again. Here we go. So, <laughs> Uh, so I could quote this movie, but yes, Tempest, it was my, is, was my jam is still my jam. And now whenever I find a Tempest machine, um, say goodbye to the next two hours. I, yeah. Cause I will try to do what Reggie does in the movie and try to fill up the whole, um, scoreboard with my initials. That's all. That's all. You, you mean you don't put Reg in? No, I don't put Reg. <laughs> no, I thought See, about that it. Next guy, yeah. uh-huh. our, our, our local arcade in town has a Tempest machine. And I've got oh. pictures of score of the scoreboard of me filling up my initials on the scoreboard stuff. Uh, Tempest rules. So that's cool. And yes, uh, malls, radio stations, movie theaters, all that stuff. Loved back in those days. Still love all that stuff, to be honest with you. But uh, um, you've seen this movie as a kid and just the, you know, that movie theater, man, like how it was like a dream job after watching this movie of, I want to work in a movie theater. I want to spend the night in the projection booth. You know, I want to, uh, you know, um, have jujubes thrown at me, um, while I'm, uh, working the, working the aisles, whatever, uh, I want to do all of it. And, and it's cool. Cause I did have that moment in life where I did get to work in a movie theater and live that out a little bit. So, um, same thing with radio stations. So it's like, Oh man, I just want to, hang out in radio station and play records and talk on talk over the airways and say whatever I want. I actually got to do that for a little bit too. So that's cool. Oh, and Oh, and I've worked in malls. You've done the trifecta. I've done all three. Boom. Done. There goes my bucket list. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah. And, um, I just, so I've seen this movie way too many times. I could tell you way too many things about this movie. Um, right now I'm going to play a little game for you. Uh, six degrees, of night of the comet so um this movie has kelly moroni in it who is most famously known for as we've mentioned several times now chopping mall but um mary warnoff who's also in night of the comet also shows up in chopping mall where she is reprising her role as mrs bland with ed with uh, paul bartell in the opening scene um where they are reprising their roles from the movie eating raul the title oh, character Raul is Hector from Hector. Night of the Comet. I just blew your minds. That's right. I just put that. I cut that together while you were doing that shit. <laughs> yes. I, I do. I do want to say something that I forgot to mention. This has like the most poignant n- 
80s and 90s statement in it, and it was said by one of the scientists. It's He says, and I quote, where would adolescence with nothing to do go? Yep. Yeah. And it's the mall. That's where kids went in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, you know, if they had access to one. I mean, it's just, yeah. Um, we're all talking about favorite lines. Uh, one of my favorite lines is, uh, Daddy would have gotten us Uzis. That was probably yep. one of my favorite lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's so many great quotable lines in this film that you could go on for days. Um, two of my favorite shots as a filmmaker in this movie are the one where um, they're getting ready to leave the think tank or whatever you want to call it. The scientists are getting ready to go f- go in the helicopter and find the girl. So you got the helicopter there. And it's going and it's full blast and you can't hear anything. And there's just a scene. It's a wide shot of of um, Jeffrey Lewis and Mary Warnoff having a fight, but you don't hear a single word that they say. And I, I think I, I always really like that shot for some reason. I think like you just want to know what's going on in that conversation because you're still at this point kind of unsure which like, like Andy said before, which ones are the bad guys of the scientist group and which ones are the good guys. And, and I think like they're trying to at first make it look like Mary is, is one of the bad guys and Jeffrey's one of the good guys. I thought, Oh, okay. Yeah. From the get, from the get go. But I was just like, as the movie progressed, I was just like, I don't, man, I, I don't really know. And that's one of the things I really like about this movie is it, you know, it, it keeps you guessing it. Yeah. Yeah, and so so I've always really liked that shot. And the other one, and this goes all the way back to when I was a kid again, because I would for some reason I always found the creepiest shot shots in this movie are those scenes in the in the uh, in the think tank, whatever, um, in the room where they have the bodies strapped up and they're they're draining the blood. Just any of those scenes in that particular room, for some reason, I always thought were super creepy, especially like. Uh, like when the lights when the lights go out and the the power goes out and then it just cuts to a shot where nobody else is in the room except for the bodies that are strapped for, to the table and you can see the heart monitor going flat and you start seeing the the hands twitch of the of the uh, people that are strapped to the table yeah i don't know why i always thought those were really i just maybe just how dark those scenes were or whatever but i always thought those were really cool sh- cool shots and creepy from back in the day but man do i love this movie man i could just i could just keep going i can go and go and go <laughs> she, she never got her 15 bucks she never did get her 15 it's bucks it's not cool but we man. do find out that dmk <laughs> is danny mason keener because <laughs> that yep. is important not at all just yeah <laughs> not much of a payoff on it's that just a fun, at it's least just they a tied fun it little together. joke yeah. at the end yeah. that's all it yeah. was for um another bit of trivia i don't know if you guys noticed or paid too close attention or if you're that familiar with the original version of the song but that is not the the, the not the cindy lopper version of girls just yeah. want to have fun um <laughs> They couldn't get the licensing rights to use the actual song, so they had somebody do a cover of it, which is weird to think that they would do. They wanted that song that bad, I guess. Um, but man, oh, it doesn't hurt the I, film. No, no, not at all. And now that's sort of popular to do it, but in like a like slow, dark, like or uh, like every, acoustic cover. Every movie trailer. Oh, God. 
And movie now. Oh, fuck. Like in the Return of the Dead, where where Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine did the cover. Oh, no, that's that's different. That's different. That's cool. I like Richard Cheese a lot. But um, but to think that they they wanted the girls just want to have fun songs so badly that it was like you remember back in the days of CDs and they would put out like Halloween compilations of songs but it was all poorly produced like, like a cover of Monster Mash knockoffs yeah but it wasn't the actual Bobby Boris Pickett one right or it's like it has Ghostbusters on it, but it's definitely not Ray Parker Jr. But they try and Performed their damnedest by to the make it Starlight like it. Orchestra or something. <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah, <laughs> that's what this version of Girls Just Want to Have Fun is. They're trying so hard to recapture the actual song. Yeah, that's that's what makes it worse. Is like do your own thing with it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But like, it didn't take me out of the movie. But yeah, I know. Oh no. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I, I think I'll stop. I think I'll stop. I could, I could literally go on forever, and I could just sit here and recite the movie if you want me to. We're just happy we got to get Tad to f- check these off his list. Yeah, and like, I mean, I didn't know how he'd feel about Night of the Lepus, but sure. I was really confident. Um, just the other two, knowing my friend Tad and how he would feel about uh, Night of the Demons and Night of the Comet, I just felt like they would be right in his wheelhouse. So. They made his night. Boom, ching. Ah! <laughs> awesome okay so that's all the movies for this episode (laughs) but don't worry we're not done yet we still have more attack of the killer podcast to come uh we're going to take a short break listen about our podcast network called the prescribed films podcast network you can check out all the shows on the network at thepfpn.com. and when we come back it'll be time for some segments we'll be right back You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. We've been talking for quite a while now, so it's time we hear from all of you with our segment called Shoutouts. It's time for Shoutouts! 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 All right, we're going to do some shoutouts. We just asked what your favorite night of the movie is and here are some shout outs we got treble mecklehen he says night of the living dead he must mean the remake wait wait. he doesn't say (coughs) then we got our pal peter parker awesome sweet he says night of the comet yes pretty good one pretty good one and that was in the attack of the killer podcast facebook group edition over on our main page on Facebook, we got Brian Clark. And if, I'm not surprised by any of this. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, he says, Night of the Seagulls. Oh, of course. The One fo- of the Blind Dead movies. <laughs> the fourth and final Blind Dead flick takes on a hint of Lovecraft as the Templar rev- 
revenants have apparently joined the esoteric order of Dagon. That sounds Dude, like the there's way movies. more going on in that sentence there than there is in that whole movie. Oh, I'm now guessing. calm down. <laughs> the Blind Dead movie's real. Oh, okay. And your credibility is gone. Hey, we got Mike Reeb. <laughs> he says, I've mentioned it once before for the curse episode, but since it has multiple titles, I absolutely love this movie, Night of the Demon, a.k.a. Curse of the Demon. Sweet. Um, it is such a great cinematic experience that must be seen by everyone. Night of the Living Dead is quite possibly the best night of movie and best zombie movie of all time. The the 90s one. And Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is a great childhood favorite and still holds up today. Thanks, Reebster. Then we got Sean Spinks. He says, everything Mike Reeb said, and then add Night of the Comet in for some fun. Woo. Heck yeah. Thanks, Sean. And then we got Don and Ellie. He says... <laughs> he says, Night of the Bloody Apes. Oh, yay. Night of the Demon, or Curse of the Demon, and Night of Something Strange come to mind immediately. Remember, that was a... Oh, that was a Halloween Palooza movie. Yep, that made it to Shudder, and it's pretty yeah. outstanding. Oh, God. <laughs> gross, <laughs> but awesome. It, let's just say, if the zombie virus was a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, and then it's just... It's gooey and gross, that movie. It's and, awesome. It's and, awesome. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he says, I'll have to look over my collection some more uh, for other titles and leave those on Instagram. And he does. We'll start in the ends. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tim Lennerer says, it's got to be Night of the Living Dead for me. A landmark in horror as well as independent cinema. Patient yeah. zero of a genre that's going strong. A half a century later, and a de- un- and undoubtedly the coolest thing ever to happen in the rural hinterlands of Pittsburgh. Damn straight. Nick Leadham says, aside from Night of the Living Dead, Comet and Creeps are both great. Hunter is a bit dated, but still very cool. Mm-hmm. It is. That movie's cool. And old. Uh, sometime I thought of having a marathon of the 50s Night of the Demon, the Bigfoot Night of the Demon, and Night of the Demons. Good times. <laughs> that would be a kick-ass marathon. Oh, Brian Clark's back with all caps and exclamations. <laughs> Night of the Lepus. Yes. Of course. Yes. Of course. Let's get over to Instagram where Don wrote me another six paragraphs. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Don. This is amazing. He says, journey completed. And a few others stood out. First, Night of the Creeps mm-hmm. and both Night of the Demons, as I enjoyed the remake as much as the original. I feel like Don would. Uh, he says, need to get on the sequels to the original, as I believe I saw them once, but can't find them in the collection. And IMDb plot summary doesn't sound familiar. We've all been there every time we read a plot summary. Uh, lastly, the gore-drenched Bigfoot effort, Night of the Demon. Wow, they really overused that title. Didn't realize it until now. <laughs> but five films with a similar title. All the time, trauma classic, Poltergeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. Oh, God. Is Yay. his final <laughs> submission. 
And then lastly, over on Twitter, had a bunch. We got uh, attacker Brian Godzill at GSIL84 says, I have to go with Night of the Living Dead from 1990 with Tony Todd. Tagged Tony Todd. Yeah. We got Clubber Bam at Clubber Bam says Night of the Seagulls. Yes, Steve. From 75 is fun. And of course, Night of the Creeps with the mustache. (laughs) (laughs) And we got uh, Ghostly Jeremy at Ghostly Jeremy says Night of the Demons. And then he comes back with 1988 version. Thanks, Ghostly Jeremy. And then lastly, we got... Bob Media at Bob Media One. He says, Original Night of the Living Dead, but for great cheesiness, Night of the Lepus, Giant Killer Bunnies. All right. So that's all we had for shout outs. A lot of really good ones. I wondered if it was going to be limited, but a lot of great shout outs, guys. Um, it's not too late. You can always call in and leave your comments in, on our voicemail, and we'll play them on the show. Um, you can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP, and that is shout-outs. Before we move on, I there was a couple other things I forgot to mention when we were talking about the movies. Um, you know, A lot of times I'll do research on IMDb. You know, It's kind of one of the first places I go to look for trivia or, or what have you. Um, looking up cast members or crew members or whatever. Um, but you know, you can't always trust IMDB because, you know, people, anybody could put shit on there, especially in the trivia category. And this is the first time I think in IMDB history, uh, doing researching movies for the show that I instantly found two bullshit trivias <laughs> for two of the movies we talked about on the show. So first of all, in night of the demons, somebody put on the trivia there that, uh, Frank Welker was uncredited as doing the voice of the demon bullshit um the actual voice of the demon and it's stated right on the commentary track it's even stated in the credits it even is stated in the credits on imdb that i forget the actor's name um but one of the two guys in the opening scene at the convenience store uh that are checking out linnea quigley's butt uh, one of those two guys is the guy who does the voices of the demons in um in night of the demons and if you want further proof of that he's also he also plays the lead in witch trap where at one point he does that voice um just for fun to creep out his partner in the movie so it's definitely him and not freaking frank welker it's too bad i mean i mean yes but frank welker being one of the greatest voice talents of history well if you compare it to voices that frank welker has done that's in that tone it's similar sure. it is similar but yeah i mean i would hate for the the actor that i can't remember his name to not get credit <laughs> for that <laughs> he's so. not getting credit here no. but it's on imdb no. so the other the other bs uh trivia was and this somebody was just having way too much fun he said that uh the studio or the the stu- the the makers of night Lepus wanted to make a movie called night of the leper where it was supposed to be a zombie movie with leprosy, um, but the studio wouldn't didn't want to make a movie with that title, so they told him to change the title to Lepus, and then that's how the movie came to be Night of the Lepus. I'm like, okay, no, that's can't, <laughs> there's no way that could be right. How do you go from zombie lepers to giant rabbits? Okay, I'm done now. That's it. 
Well, we're not done because we have one more celebrity here to introduce our last segment. I can't wait to hear from that person who's going to talk right now. Hello, once again, this is Gary Busey for Attack the Killer Pack. Shut up. I got something to get off my (laughs) chest. I have risen up from the catacombs of the temple of the tantric donkey of the Crab Nebula. Now, I got a bone to pick with this Andy Watson fucker. (laughs) Now, as I'm listening to the bug episode, as I walk through the ruins of the the sacred cucumber that we lost in the Astroglide Rebellion of 94, (laughs) but that's another story. And he's going on and on, giving insane Mike all this shit about sparks coming out of bugs' vaginas. Now, <laughs> if I if I had a nickel for every time I saw a spark come out of a bug's vagina, well, I I wouldn't have any fucking nickels. But I'm open <laughs> to the possibility. He needs to open his mind. He needs to hear some of my buseyisms. Like sober, son of a bitch, everything is real. Or fear, false evidence appearing real. Hell, I even got one for AOTKP or whatever the fuck this is. Now, (laughs) applying ointment to killer platypi, platypus. (laughs) In fact, I have on more than one occasion seen flames shoot out of a platypus's vagina. Now... Pick that bit in your brain as Insane Mike picks his picks. Jesus, I'm high. I can't. I just can't. Uh, oh, it's so great when Busey comes by. Oh, always welcome. <laughs> okay. So. Like I mentioned on the last episode, over the next few episodes, I'm going to be honoring those in filming in the filmmaking industry who have contributed to the types of films that would be considered insane's picks, like B movies, grandhouse, grindhouse films, cult films, whatnot. And I'm going to induct these people into the Insane Picks Hall of Fame. So this is the very first entry of the Hall of Fame. And I am inducting the director of such great films as Alien Factor, Night Beast, Fiend, and The Galaxy Invader. That's right. Director and producer Don Doler. Don Doler born 1946 and unfortunately passed away in 2006. Don Doler was an independent filmmaker from Baltimore, Maryland. Doler became interested in science fiction, horror, and fantasy, like most of us, at a very young age. He started out in magazines. Don's first magazine, which was kind of a mad magazine-type spinoff called Wild, that he started as a teenager. Then around 1972, Doler uh, launched uh, the magazine, the movie magazine Cinemagic, which which had only 11 issue run. Um, and lasted until 1979 when it was purchased by Starlog. Cinemagic was a magazine that featured illustrated step-by-step articles for amateur special effects filmmakers. Uh, Don uh, decided uh, that life was too short and set out to start making movies his, uh, on his own. 
dollars first film was alien factor from 1976 it's about a spaceship containing specimens for an intergalactic zoo crashing on earth uh, near a small backwoods town the creatures escape and begin killing people throughout the town the film features don doler and john waters regular george stover and richard dizel aka famed horror movie host court uh, count gore duvall uh, his next film was 1981's Fiend, which was then quickly followed up the next year with probably my favorite of Don Dollar's films, Night Beast, which features music by a very, very young J.J. Abrams. Yes, that J.J. Abrams. With only 10 films directed by and or produced uh, by Don, uh, he didn't have the most prolific film career, but... The films he did has become cult classics, cementing Don in Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. After all these years, uh, his movies like Alien Factor, Night of the Beast, are still talked about and loved, with beautiful restored Blu-ray releases from Retro Media and Vinegar Syndrome, respectively. Uh, if you want to learn more about Don, Don Dohler, I would suggest checking out the amazing documentary that Troma put out a few years back called Blood, Boobs, and Beasts. And that is it for the first induction into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, the great late Don Dohler. So that's all the time we have for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks uh, for the crew for being on. Um, and I'd like to think that, uh, we have learned a thing or two tonight. I mean, we didn't, but I'd like to think that we did. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Talk to you on the next episode of attack of the killer podcast. Oh no. Could this be the end of attack of the killer podcast? Attack of the killer podcast. Attack of the killer podcast. Attack of the killer. Hey, it's Jason. Show's over. I, I got this message from Insane Mike. Uh, he, he didn't have the heart to come and tell you guys this himself. He he needs your help, and he's a he's a fragile guy. He needs you to know that you're behind him. And you're on his side. So look, he, he wanted me to come and say a few words at the end of the show here. So first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks for subscribing. And third, head over to jointheattackers.com and find out how you can support Insane Mike and become an attacker today.